Hello, friends. It's your old pal, Ariel Hawani, back with another episode of The Hawani Show on a Wednesday. And unfortunately, as you may have heard, this is the final one. This is the final hurrah for The Hawani Show here on ESPN Audio on a Wednesday. It's been great. We shall reminisce with the only person that I want to reminisce with on this episode. So stay tuned for that. But first... Do want to tell you about First Take Her Take, the podcast hosted by Charlie Arnott, Kimberly A. Martin, and their new co-host, Elle Duncan, from the Six O'Clock Sports Center. They spill the tea on their lives while also discussing the hottest stories in sports and pop culture. That's First Take Her Take. Listen wherever you get your podcast. Also, as you know, The Ultimate Fighter in full swing on ESPN+. Plus. The platform that Shell and I built, you can sign up now at ESPNplus.com slash UFC if you're not watching it, and you can stream new episodes every Tuesday only on ESPN+. Plus. All right, on to today's program, the final one. Of course, it may not be suitable for all audiences, so as always, listener discretion is advised. Enjoy. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Area. Back in your life on this Wednesday, June 9th, 2021. Hello again, everyone. Welcome back to a brand new edition and the final edition of Ariel Hawani's MMA show right here on ESPN Audio. It has been an amazing run. If you haven't heard, and I'm sure you have by now, uh, next Wednesday will be my last day at ESPN. Uh, I haven't announced where I'm going, what I'm doing, what the future holds, uh, but the three-year run comes to an end. It's been an incredible three-year run. It's been a dream come true. Uh, we have one more DC and Hawani left. We have the final two episodes of Iron on the Bad Guy airing tonight and Thursday night. And, you know, when I was thinking about how do I want to end the, uh, the Hawani show experience here, of course, we've had uh, several different iterations, different studios, different lengths, different days. Uh, I wanted to, uh, to somewhat start it the way, or excuse me, end it the way we started it. And as you may recall, uh, in the very early days of the Hawani show here on, uh, on ESPN Audio, we used to do a thing called The Post Show, a.k.a. Crust First, with my longtime friend, my partner in crime, New York Rick. And so I thought, you know what, for the OGs, for the old school fans, for the fact that for the first time in over 10 years, we won't actually be colleagues and working together, let's do it one last time. New York Rick, Helwani, chopping it up, as they say, about the world of MMA. So without further ado, it's social media guru extraordinaire here at ESPN, New York Rick, kind enough to carve out some time for us here on the program. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, 
your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Thank you, Ariel. What an intro. Um, I will say that in my mind, the crust first movement never died. It, it just took a hiatus. It just went on vacation for a little bit. Um, and now we're serving the fans what they want crust first. I mean, it was a tremendous movement. You know, we used to do the show um, in New York City for about six months with Corporate Jake. And, uh, you know, a few other of the uh, production members would uh, would stop by here or there. And uh, you, the, the, the crazy thing is, um, you were there for the first show. It was, I think, June 24th or June 25th, but you weren't working at ESPN. I, I said, uh, I would like for you to be there just because, you know, you, you knew how the show ran and you had expertise in the control room. But of course, my plan was to get you in the door and, and hopefully you didn't screw things up and everyone hated you and you didn't smell and they would give you a job. And I remember the moment the, the first show ended, the very first show, uh, our boss, Glenn Jacobs, came into the studio and said, OK, what do you think it'll take to get New York Rick over? And I couldn't have been happier. So uh, you took a leap of faith. I told you that uh, I would try my best and, and it worked out. And then we used to do those post shows, the crust first shows, as we called them. And the problem was according to my metrics and my sources, Crust First started to become more popular than the show itself. So, you know, you, you can't let that happen. So we have to kill it. It had to die at that time, but now it's been resurrected. And this uh, this last one will do bonkers number. Oh, and uh, all of oh, a this, sudden. This isn't video. This is audio only. <laughs> you, you're, not, you're not big enough for video. We're uh, doing audio, audio exclusive. You're reacting. Tell the people what you're reacting to. I'm sitting in I, front of my screen. Ariel sitting in front of the screen and much like when he was on sports center, it went out in the back and uh, I forgot we were audio only and reacted to it. Yes. Audio only. Uh, but things are going, you know, for those that don't know, uh, we, we've worked together for what if we worked together when 2012 was when we first started. Right. Yeah. And we might've even like started to lay the groundwork for that in late 2011. Like I think it was around Christmas time. If I recall, like, you know, Thanksgiving, Christmas time of 2011, when we first started, like, hatching the plan to do that. Um, so it has been nearly a decade, if not uh, a decade. You know, it's funny that you say that uh, because I just had to look through a plethora of emails <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> and I happened my to stumble. Tradition. Yes. My favorite tradition. I happened to stumble upon an email that was sent to me on Wednesday, December 14th, 2011. And, I mean, uh, how about me? Let, let's yes. just stop here for a second. Your memory is tremendous. I mean, you know, it's it's been proven over and over. But me hitting in the ballpark December 2011, that was not bad by me. Around no. Christmas time, I almost. Of course. I mean, what? I remember that as well. I remember it was uh, it was around the uh, the Rampage Marcus Brimage interview, right? It was the night of the Rampage Marcus Brimage interview. I was inspired. No, that can't be true because this is Wednesday at 4.54 p.m. Uh, I did that interview on a Saturday night. It was several days. Sure? I mean, I'm looking right at it. Wednesday, December 14th, 2011. Are you sure there was not some weird? Mid no, no, no. It was, it was, uh, it was tough finale. I remember I was in Vegas. It was tough finale. Um, but I think this was like literally three days later. I think that was a Saturday okay, or four days enough. later. In any fair event, enough. the email reads as follows. 
Mr. Helwani, which is great. I'm not sure if this is the right avenue to contact you, but I couldn't find another email address and I don't have a premium account on LinkedIn, which by the way, I have no idea even how to go on LinkedIn. So good thing you didn't go that route. So I'm giving this a shot. I'm a 24 year old New Yorker. So by the way, 2011, so you're you're 37? No, no, your math is off. I'm going to be 34 (laughs) in August. All right. Why did I think it was 13 years? Okay. I'm a 24-year-old New Yorker who is currently interning at Gawker Media, and that stint is coming to an end. I have nothing lined up for the immediate future, so I'm taking the advice I've seen you give in multiple interviews and going for something I want. As an avid MMA fan, I follow the sport daily, including your Twitter, videos, and NBC slash AOL articles. I believe you are the premier journalist in the sport, as evidenced by the awards. Enough ass-kissing, though. And you just happen to run the MMA hour for my own, my hometown. I want to be a part of it, any part of it. I'm willing to work unpaid. Wow. I forgot that part. I've already graduated with a degree in marketing from Baruch. So I don't need college credit either to simply be involved. If you need any more information or a reference from my previous employer, I'd be more than happy to provide that. I appreciate the time and I hope to hear from you. And then what was interesting about it was that you had three links at the bottom of your email. It was twitter.com slash wheezy but geeky. Yeah. Facebook.com slash eric.jackman and LinkedIn, Eric Jackman. What the hell is wheezy but geeky? Is that the yeah. pre New York Rick? That's pre New York Rick. So interning at Gawker uh, back in those days uh, before he became Childish Gambino uh, or before Childish Gambino became popular, um, he was making mixtapes for the internet only. And in one of his songs on the album, I believe it was Cul-de-Sac, he calls himself Wheezy But Geeky. He is little geeky little Wayne, basically. And that was the music I was bumping at the time. Uh, so my handle was Wheezy But Geeky. For all the old school Childish Gambino fans out there, uh, pre him becoming a big thing, that was my handle and that was my email. I think it's important to note, though, that I hit you at the Jerry Park email. And that's why I was saying, I don't know if this is the right avenue to get you, which then forwarded to you. I didn't mm. even know I was, taking, yes. I was taking a shot in the dark on an old website. It was true. Yes. Cause you did send it to Ariel at jerrypark.com. Now, you know, I don't know if we've actually gone through the entire thread here, but I think this could be fun and tremendous audio for anyone listening. Um, the first, so I then sent it to everyone that I was working for at the time, Chad mom, Brian Tucker. I see people at verses that I, I sent this to three different entities. Then I wrote, Hey, Eric, have we ever gone through like the back and forth? Not we have sure. not. I don't Now I know what that original email said because you've read it nearly yes. every year. I have no idea what the rest of them say. So I responded to you at 517. So literally 21 minutes after, which I think is pretty cool from a guy like me yeah, just responding right away. Sure. Hey, sure. Eric, nice to meet you. I just sent your email to my employers. Unfortunately, I don't do the hiring, but you seem like a great get for anyone. I will let you know what I hear back. Good luck and keep in touch. Ariel, P.S. Thanks for the kind words. So then I'm, 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 I'm scrolling down. I see some people saying, yeah, maybe we can meet him, this and that. And then literally 5.59 p.m. So what are we talking? 48 minutes later. So I actually responded quicker than you responded to me, whatever. You write back, Ariel. I'm geeking out like Marcus Brimage meeting Rampage right now. I wasn't expecting any response. No commentary on you. I just know you're a busy man and probably get tons of random emails every day, let alone one this immediate. 
Words can't express how appreciative I am that you even took the time out of your day to make a single fan feel like anything is possible. Even if nothing comes of this, I understand that it's not entirely your call and ultimately a bureaucratic process. You'll always have a fan right here. Can't thank you enough. I mean, that is tremendous. Do you remember where you were when you wrote that? So, yeah. So we need to stop down here. So a few things. Let's go back (laughs) to you responding in 19 minutes and having already sent this to all your employers. How did you in 19 minutes suss out that like, this was somebody who could potentially help you? When you know, you know. I mean, you're talking this place, that place. It was a pretty well- it was clear uh, that I knew my stuff, basically. Yeah, you, you know, the, 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 the sentences were, were well-structured. It just felt like you. you were someone that could be, you know. I've always said, I mean, no one masters an email quite like you. And, uh, you know, 10 years ago, y- you were still pretty darn good. I mean, you're not quite yeah. as polished as you are now, but still pretty darn good. No. So, yes, I sent it immediately. I mean, like, if you even want to go back, the, 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 you sent it at 5.11, excuse me, 4.54 at 5.15, I sent it around to people. So I'm, I was like literally on the ball here. I must've, you must've yeah. caught me at a really good time. Uh, timing pre-kids, is kids, pre-kid. So I had nothing to do really. You know. Yeah. Let it be known. Ariel knows a gem when he, when he hears one mm-hmm. or reads one. Uh, so that happens. I'm geeking out. I'm telling my friend, Victor Ma, shout out to Victor Ma, who's, who's a great friend to me. Um, I, cause up until I even sent the email, I was like, hey, Victor, I'm planning to do this. I'm going to email Ariel. What's the worst that could happen? I'm just going to email this guy and see what happens. Like, he's in my city. I, there has to be something. Plus, I was working at Gawker. I had a little bit of media experience. I thought maybe there's a way. So I tell Victor, me and him are like dancing around. So that's like maybe 20 minutes of that. Me and Victor are like, wow, I can't believe you even got the email. Because this is before celebrities were really kind of like interacting with people on Twitter. This was momentous. Then take that extra 20 minutes after that to maybe write back the email um, and say, Hey, you know, I hope something comes with this, but no hard feelings. If not. Amazing. You know, it's so funny. As half I of it was celebration basically for some weird reason, as I go back all the way to the beginning of our email exchanges, July 15th, 2011, you, I have a notification that Eric Jackman, wheezy but geeky, retweeted one of my tweets. And it's I know exactly about... which tweet it is. Which one? It was a tweet from because I was working at Gawker. It was uh, a tweet from either Jezebel or Gawker uh-huh. about an article about beta males, which yes. at the time was a thing you and Rampage were having discussions about. And I either tagged you in it or quote tweeted. I forget like how Twitter was working back then. Um, funny enough, now it's my job. But uh, I remember thinking this is perfect content for Ari Halwani to see and trying to find a way for you to, uh, yes. to see it. Yes, yes. And I wrote, uh, you wrote to me, the beta male revolution has begun. And I wrote, I knew it, get on board people. And then you retweeted that to your quote, 33 followers, it says. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, social man. media I expert. I mean, this is tremendous. I don't know if I would have signed up for this podcast if I knew it was going to be a roast, but I am enjoying it. Okay. Um, now we continue. Uh, so you wrote that you were geeking out. I wrote back, just please don't tell me you like, and I, I made a joke referencing a Marcus Brimage line from yeah, that yeah, interview, yeah. which I'm not going to say. My pleasure. I've been there before. We all need help along the way to realize our dreams. I'll definitely let you know. 
If you don't hear back from me in a few weeks, definitely write back. I mean, what a mensch I am. I mean, this is unbelievable. Now we start to get into the planning phase of the meeting. And interestingly enough, obviously we know you ended up at the MMA hour. Uh, The versus guys right back in like, uh, we're shedding, not adding. So thanks, but no thanks. A sign of things to come. But I do want to just quickly jump to the next email exchange. We've never gone this deep into things. On January 1st, 2012, you sent me another email, 5.54 p.m. saying, Ariel. So it only took one exchange for you to drop the Mr. Helwani, which I think is interesting and telling. I'd like I, to I will say email email etiquette wise if somebody signs their email with a name I will then from then uh, on use that name going see? forward just w- just etiquette That's smart that's smart uh, you write, I'd like to start out by expressing the utmost gratitude again for you taking the time to read my initial email the act alone meant a lot to me and exceeded my expectations Due to your email on my behalf, I was able to get a meeting with so-and-so two weeks ago. At that point, he offered me a position in some capacity. My title and day-to-day responsibilities remain murky, unclear, helping out on the MMA hour. Needless to say, I couldn't be more excited, and I intend to work as hard as possible to contribute to an already amazing product. I'm still in disbelief at how accommodating and generous the people I've contacted and how uh, have been and how quickly things have changed. Thank you, Eric Jackman. P.S. I hope you had a great Hanukkah and New Year and a great work. Oh, and great work at 141. The Hedy's interview was one of my all-time favorites and the Volkman spot was interesting. But why no, <laughs> and then you wrote, but why no Dana interview? Kidding. I don't even wow. get that joke because Dana and I were on good terms back then. So I don't even know. Yeah, the I, joke. Don't, I don't know what, I don't, I don't know the joke either. Uh, I do remember liking at the moment, I couldn't tell you off the top of my head, anything that happened in that Hedy's interview, but I do remember thinking you two had a good chemistry uh uh at that time what's you jimmy's and, first name you just said it oh i just damn it <laughs> um <laughs> i meant to say what's head is do you remember did you remember his first name uh i would have gotten to it eventually because ah. I, I liked him a lot at that time and i liked the rapport that you two had um and volkman must have been when he was in his uh presidential stuff. yes I, yes i'm sure it was around that time um so uh, yes, I do remember this. Wow, I was such a, I was such a kiss. What a what a true yeah. kiss. But it worked, right? Like I mean, it, it, worked. Got, it got me. It got me where I got. And so that started uh, essentially January of 2012. And uh, you know, at least for now, I like to say not goodbye. See you later. Um, we you know we say goodbye, and uh, we we you know we did it on the last MMA hour in studio. Now we get to do it via zoom in my spare bedroom and you (laughs) in Bristol doing incredible work for the ESPN MMA handles alongside the incomparable Tessa Hirsch. And so, all right, we don't have to reminisce this, this entire time. Let's talk a little MMA if we can, uh, very, very busy few days coming up. And so let me ask you this PFL four, of course, starring, Clarissa Shields versus Brittany yeah. Elkin. Uh, we just unfortunately found out Anthony Pettis no longer on the card. Um, Bellator 260, Douglas Lima against Yaroslav Amosov uh, for the Bellator welterweight title. Invicta FC Phoenix Series 4 or UFC 263. Which event are you most looking forward to? I mean, it has to be UFC 263. <laughs> Come on. But, you know, now I will say- Oh, by say, the way, there's also a Ryzen this weekend. I, I just saw that. Oh, I didn't even know. I will say any other week, let's call it a fight night week. That is, that's tough competition. Like not competition because they're, they, they're staggered. Like they're, they're, they're not all at the same time. 
but that that's a strong week from those from those other uh, promotions for sure, absolutely. But no, all all roads lead to UFC two sixty three. The headline event of each of those cards, though, top top notch. Like those are the best that the promotion has. Okay, so let me ask you about two sixty three because I don't think that this is uh, an easy question to answer. I don't think it's a layup. Sure. Obviously, the top three fights are the top three fights. We know them: Israel Adesanya or dare I say Israel Adesanya versus Marvin Vittori for the middleweight <laughs> title. Uh, Davidson Figueredo versus Brandon Moreno for the flyweight title. Two rematches, of course. And then the return of Nathan Diaz versus Leon Edwards. Which of those three are you most looking forward to? Because I feel like you can ask a bunch of people and you'd get a bunch of different answers here. Yeah, 100%. I, I, I have asked people and I've gotten many different answers. For me personally, it is... Uh, Figueredo and Moreno. Wow. Um, that is the hipster pick. That is such a hipster pick. More than the return of Nathan, more than Izzy versus Vittori too. More. Um, That's now, amazing. Let me, let me put a caveat on this. I like all three of those a lot. Like it's, it's not oftentimes that like the top three are fights that I'm, that I'm extremely, extremely interested in, even if they're title fights. All three of these fights have something very, very intriguing for me. Um, like all of them a lot, but for me, it's Figueredo and, and Moreno. I just think that a lot of times people think the rematch does not live up to the first and they just go in assuming that I have full confidence that this fight is going to be amazing. The style of these two fighters is going to produce either an all-time classic. Again, I don't think there's any, um, I don't think there's any impossibility to the idea that they could replicate the first fight. Or one of them is going to get a finish win, and I think that's also exciting as well. So, I am very, very excited about that fight. I think I think there is a high chance that we either get another classic or a finish from the champion or the challenger, and I think both can do it too. That's another thing. I think both fighters can finish this fight. Uh, so I'm very excited about it. It feels like, and it's understandable considering who's fighting in the main event and who's fighting in that third fight, Nathan Leon. It feels yeah. like this fight is really, I mean, like almost criminally flying under the radar because the first one fight of the year contender, if not sure. on Jay Chick and Zhang Wei Li, it is the fight of the year. I don't know what that sound was. Did you hear that as well? I don't know what that not. was. Okay, good. Um, but <clears throat> I will say the other thing that feels like it's flying under the radar and almost forgotten is the fact that Figueredo took that fight on three weeks notice. Now I know Brandon Moreno did as well. The big difference is Figueredo cuts more weight. Figueredo didn't get to go home, if you recall. Figueredo had to stay home, uh, excuse me, had to stay in Vegas, didn't get the home cooking, didn't get to see his family. Moreno went back to Tijuana. So I I'm curious how much of that factors into things. Like now he has, you know, plenty of time to prepare. He had six months off between fights, all that. Like, I don't, I think there's a very good chance when you see fights like, oh, you know, the first one's going to play out like the second one, et cetera. This one, I wouldn't be surprised if the second one plays out Nothing like the first one, given the fact that it happened on three weeks notice and he didn't get to go home and, 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 uh, you know, rehydrate and, and, and all that stuff. So that to me is something he, that I feel like we're not talking about enough. He also, him and his manager, Valdi Dishmal talked about how sick he was before the yes. fight. Like yes. he, he was extremely ill. I mean, you know, it, it's their, you know, account of it. Like, you know, who, you know, who knows what the, what the reality of the situation is, but as described by them, uh, he was in a rough state. So yeah, I think, I think there's a high potential for a, for a really good uh, performance out of uh, Figueredo. But I also think Brandon Moreno is the type of guy who fights to the competition. If he's in there with, with an absolute beast, um, I think he will rise to that. 
Uh, and I'm really excited to see that fight. Really, really excited to see that fight. Okay. So let me ask you this. Um, and I feel like I know the answer because you sort of alluded to it between the co-main and main, which fight has a better chance to see a new champion? Uh, the co-main, in my opinion, I, yeah. I, no discredit to Marvin Vittori, who I think is being underrated, but Israel Adesanya and his team to me are not the type to rest on their laurels, are not the type to look at the first fight and underestimate Marvin Vittori. They are a team that always prepares properly for an opponent. And I also personally think, you know, it's no secret that uh, I've long thought Israel Adesanya is a great fighter from, from the beginning of his UFC career. Uh, I think he's gotten only better. I think that there's uh, a lot of good takeaways as well as some bad takeaways you can take from the performance against Blahovich. Uh, but I think that he will be prepared for this fight. I think he has the tools to beat Marvin in this fight. And I do not think he will underestimate Marvin. I do not think he will take anything away from the first fight. Marvin has said a lot in the media and, and uh, you know, I think it's, it's something you could easily assume. He has said uh, he won the first fight and there's things that he's going to, he, there's things that he's reading from that, that he's going to have some success against Israel. I don't think that should be the takeaway. I think Israel has had just as much opportunity as Marvin to improve. And I think because of who he is as a competitor, and I think because of the team that he comes from at city kickboxing, he has improved just as much as Marvin has. And I think that will be the difference in the fight. So as much as Marvin has improved, I think Israel has improved just as much. Uh, and I think he will be champion for a long time at middleweight. I agree with that. I also think that we're about to find out like just how big confidence is because, you know, Izzy's coming off his first loss. I know it wasn't at middleweight first loss in MMA, of course, first loss in the UFC. Marvin's on this winning streak. Marvin has convinced himself that he should have won the first fight. Izzy feels like it wasn't even a question. It was just some judge who got it wrong and that led to the split decision. But it's very rare in the fight game that the champion is coming off a loss and the challenger is on a winning streak. This only happens when, of course, the, the, the champion moves up or moves down weight and then he goes back or she goes back to defend their title. This hasn't, you know, we should ask our friends over at uh, Stats and Info. It, it hasn't, you know, like I, off the top of my head, it obviously happened when BJ Penn lost to George St. Pierre um, when they fought at UFC 94 and then he came back yeah. to fight uh, Kenny Florian at, at 101. I believe you were there in Philadelphia. But but like, it's a, it's a weird thing. So we're going to get a chance to see like how big uh, of a factor confidence can be in these fights. Does it surprise you then though? I'm looking at the odds here. According, you know, who do we go by? We go by William Hill. Yes. I mean, I'm just looking at the, like, I see the consensus is like plus 200 or so plus 225 for Marvin minus 250 260 for Izzy. But then the co-main Figueredo minus 230 minus 245. Moreno plus 185 plus 194. I see a plus 200. Like those odds are fairly similar. Like, it, yeah, I'm actually surprised that the main event is as close as it is. Like, I, like Israel Adesanya is incredible and I'm not taking anything yeah. away from Marvin Vittori, but I definitely think he's a better fighter skill wise than Marvin Vittori. Like that. I feel like the co-main is way closer. Like I agree with your pick. I feel like the co-main is way closer in terms of skill and talent than the main event. Yeah. Yet the odds are almost the same. Let me say two things. Uh, I'll start with the betting odds. Betting odds um, are based on public perception, not necessarily who the odds makers think are going to win this fight. So it's always important to factor in things like we're talking about, right? Israel Adesanya coming off a loss. 
for a better, that might lose some confidence. That might make people more uh, inclined to think that Marvin Vittori has an opportunity here to, to put some money on him. Uh, Brandon Moreno, I think there's an element and there's a there's certainly a sentiment out there, I believe, that, however small it may be, that that was his best night and that was Figueredo's worst night, that he was, he, he got quote unquote lucky or had, you know, the opportunity of a lifetime and, and made the most of it. But Figueredo is now going to come in. So those types of things, I think, shift betting lines um, more so than, you know, reliable and, and objective analysis of a fight. And those things will come into play. Second thing I'm going to say, first loss of Israel's MMA career, but not the first loss of his career, which I think is very important and significant to think about. The times right. that he has lost in kickboxing, uh, he has bounced back stronger than ever. And they have been some devastating losses. Uh, Alex Pereira knocking him out is a, is a devastating loss. Bounce back from that. Uh, I was there in Los Angeles when he lost to Jason Wilness in glory kickboxing. Uh, I will objectively say, no, no skin in the game, uh, a controversial decision. There were some to this day, Israel Adesanya included, who say he won that fight. There are some who say Jason Wilness won that fight. Either way, top level championship kickboxing uh, fight lost in a heartbreaking manner, bounced back the next fight and, and won. So wait a second, wait a second. I'm looking at the record here. Lost to Jason Wilness, then got knocked out. Yeah. uh, You're, you're right. That changes everything. You're right. You're right. (laughs) The performance against uh, Pereira. Yes. Um, Wait, that means he's going to lose. Let me say this in that performance (laughs) against Pereira. He was winning that fight until the end. It, It was one of those where Pereira, uh, landed the shot that he needed at the end. Uh, Israel was looking good in that fight, but it, it's a fair, it's a fair uh, call out of that. And by the way, this man, uh, he lost to Pajera, uh So he did lose to Pajera in, uh, what was it? 2016 came back with a win in but China. Then, yeah. Yes. But then ended his kickboxing career, at least for now with those two losses, the wellness and then Pajera fight. But then you go back to his first two losses. So he's lost five times in kickboxing. First two losses early in his career, 2014, lost to Simon Marcus, Canadian boy, uh, yep. and then followed that up with another loss. So is there a trend here? Hmm. Or is it the I, I remember Romero? it differently? Is it the Romero but, thing where like he feels like he's being disrespected and then he's gonna come back like he did against Paulo Costa? Yeah, the other thing, yeah, it's fair because I remembered it differently, but um what I will say is the performances uh were didn't look that way. Uh, is is how i'll phrase it um good catch i i think <laughs> no but i mean you're right to call that out i will say he thought he won the um he thought he won the uh wellness fight which many would argue he did and then came out looking very sharp against Pereira, but again got caught so fair play to Pereira. um but i don't think israel adesanya is the type to let that bother him is where i was tr- essentially trying to go with that i don't think that his performance will be based on trying to get that back. Um, and I think he will be successful. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jet's signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jet's Pizza. Better because it has to be. Ten seconds on the clock. How many things can you name that are always growing? Your relationships. 
your skills, your customer base. How about businesses on Shopify? <laughs> Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash network, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash network now to grow your business. No matter what stage you're in, shopify.com slash network. All right. Nathan Before Diaz. we move on. Yes. Before we move on. Quick record correction here. Yes. Loses to Jason Wilness in kickboxing. Comes back in MMA next fight and beats uh, Melvin Lidar. He was doing both simultaneously, which is okay. the thing to remember. Uh, um, okay, that's a good point. That's a good correction. Keeps himself sharp, but either way, um, it's fair. It's a, I, I believe it's a completely fair question to ask, but I don't think he's the type. I think he will bounce back strong. Anyway, I, I do as well. I do as well, 100%. Um, Nathan Diaz, Leon Edwards. We were talking about this on uh, Aaron the Bad Guy, which comes out tonight. I want to ask you the question as well. I think that Nathan's playing with house money here. Like all the pressure is on Leon. Leon's on the cusp of a title shot. Leon's been scratching and clawing. If he loses, he goes way back to the bottom of the pile. And let's be honest, it's going to take a long time, if ever, to get him a title shot again, because he's not the biggest draw and he doesn't sell fights and look just how long it's taken him to get to this point. And, and Nathan's doing him a, a huge favor by, you know, Nathan picked him and that's why he got yeah. this fight. And it made all the sense of the world. I feel like there is nothing in terms of pressure that, that, that Nathan has to deal with. Now, of course he has to deal with Leon being a great fighter, but do you agree with that assessment? And do you think that plays into this fight at all? Nathan Diaz has proven that uh, wins and losses don't matter for him. And I think he comes into this fight knowing that like Nathan, Nathan Diaz approaches fights knowing that he's the A-side, right? And even, even to his credit, even if he's matched up with Conor McGregor or Habib or whoever, he will know, or in his mind, he will know that he's the A-side. So wins and losses aren't as significant to him. He's going to be a draw. He's willing to wait, and he's willing to get himself paid the, the most amount of money. Um, so there's zero pressure from that perspective, from the things that are outside the sport, from the meta, or outside the cage, rather, from the meta perspective. He could lose this fight to Leon Edwards and his next, his very next fight could be headlining a pay-per-view, could be co-main of a pay-per-view, and he's going to get paid appropriately. So that pressure is off him for the rest of his career almost. Nathan is, is proven box office and doesn't have to worry about that part. All he has to do is get into the into the cage and perform against Leon Edwards. Unfortunately, in my estimation, I think that's going to be that's going to prove to be a tough task, but you are correct that that creates additional pressure on Leon Edwards. That, that he is on the cusp of the title shot that he has so desperately wanted this fight against Nate Diaz would make him, you, you can't make an argument that he doesn't deserve it. I think that that comes with a lot of pressure, but like I was talking about with Israel Adesanya, I actually think Leon is somebody who can handle that pressure and somebody who can rise to the occasion and, and perform the performance against Bilal after being out so long. I thought he looked sharp as ever. Um, mm -hmm. I thought he looked as sharp as he ever has. Um, and I think we will see the same, actually. I believe we will see a really, really sharp and, and talented Leon Edwards and not be worried and not let the moment get to him. But yes, yeah. no pressure on me. Zero. Is Diaz making a mistake by taking this fight? No, because wins and losses don't matter. Mm -hmm. He's looked he's looked at the landscape and said, all these guys are for Gazy. The only one who's doing anything worth a damn is Leon Edwards. And I want to fight him. And guess what? 
he got it. He called his own shot and he got it. And this is a huge opportunity for him because if he wins, it puts him in title contention. I guess I say it with a question mark because I actually don't know. Um, Kamara Usman seems game for it. So yeah, like all the pressure is off Nate. He has, there's no mistake here because he could put himself in a title conversation. And to be honest, he may get there and decide he doesn't even want a title shot. He, he could choose whatever he wants to do next. Well, a title shot would probably mean a longer contract and all this stuff. And I, you know, I, I would presume uh, there's a lot of money for him to be made, yep. you know, in the UFC or out of the UFC. But let me ask you this. What, what, okay. Would you, would you agree that Leon Edwards wins this fight? He doesn't have to fight anyone else. He should fight for the belt next. If, if Leon Edwards wins this fight and doesn't fight for the title, it's, it's a travesty. Like at a certain point, the, the win streak is too long. It's just right. impossible to deny. So the thing is, it looks like they're going to do Kamaru Usman versus Colby Covington. That's not a done deal, but he'll have to wait for the winner of that fight. Now Usman is is fighting regularly. Like I, I wouldn't yeah. be surprised if he fights late this summer or something like that. Um, so he'd wait. Now what about? And I think he would gladly wait because it's been you know two fights within two months of each other here. But what about yeah. Nathan? Would you be okay? If Diaz fights the winner of that fight for the belt. Yeah. Got no problem with it. I think the days. Michael Diaz is going to be mad at you. Yeah. I I think the days of uh, earning the opportunity or this being a meritocracy have long since gone. Like I think there's, I would like to believe that there's part of that. I would like to hold on to that as much as I can, but I don't believe that that is the case. If, If Nathan wins this fight, he's knocked off the guy that was going to be next. Why Mm -hmm. shouldn't he get that opportunity? He should steal his opportunity. In fact, I believe he was on SportsCenter and Stephen A's world uh, yesterday. And I think he said, essentially, I'm going to take his SHIT. He's Mm -hmm. he's taking it. So I have no problem with it. No. Now, if Nate was in a separate fight and Leah was in a separate fight and Nate somehow jumped Leon, I have a bit of a problem with that. That I have a problem with. If he's beating the guy who's the guy, sorry, I, I, I have no problem with that. I can't, I can't pretend to be upset. You have to think that Kamar Usman is somewhere just like praying that Nate pulls this off, right? Yeah. I mean, I, Kamaru strikes me as the type uh, to not care so much who he's facing in the cage and, and care about his money. Like, I think he's supremely confident. He, I think he thinks he can beat either Nate or Leon, line them up, I'll take them both out. But he sees the dollar signs with Nate, and rightfully so. You should be compensated. So I, I think he's got to be hoping it's Nate. Uh, but I don't think he's he's particularly concerned about either of them. I, th- I think Kamara is supremely confident. I see like Nate plus 475, 440, 400. Leon minus 445. As high yeah. as minus 617, 625, 650 I'm seeing. Is that appropriate? Yeah, it seems right. I think this is a probably a closer matchup than people are giving Nate Diaz credit for. I think mm-hmm. I think he's a he's he's got a decent style in, in contrast to Leon Edwards. The problem with with this fight is Nate Diaz has a lot of scar tissue, and Leon Edwards is uh, one of the best and sharpest elbows that you've got in the game, and he's not afraid to use them. He's put on clinics with that. Uh, it's going to be tough to avoid cuts in this fight, and I think Leon's going to mark him up, and I think he knows that, and I think oh he's my. going into that planning to, to punch him and, and elbow him uh, to the point that the, the blood is going to be too much. The cuts are going to be too much. 
If he doesn't, I still think the advantage is with Leon. I still think Leon is, is the sharper, crisper, more technical striker, and he's going to be able to you know, withstand the, st- the storm. Cardio is not the problem for Leon Edwards. I think he will be fine. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's, tough. it's tough to know that there's such a significant glaring um, uh, mismatch there in terms of scar tissue versus elbows and be confident with Nate Diaz. But I think assuming that that is not in the equation. Nate Diaz matches up quite nicely with Elon Edwards, actually. I think I think he's, he's, he's in good shape. Historically, the June pay-per-view, which of course comes, you know, right before the historically large July International Fight Week pay-per-view. Historically, the June one is somewhat of a dud. This time around, not the case. And of course, it was elevated by the fact that the Nathan Diaz Leon Edwards fight was supposed to happen in May and got pushed back a few weeks after Diaz withdrew but here you have those three fights Bilal Muhammad versus Damian Maya and what could be Damian Maya's last fight um, against Muhammad who is all fired up after what happened with Leon Edwards Jamal Hill against Paul Craig uh, Brad Riddell against Drew Dober Joanne Calderwood versus Lauren Murphy could produce the number one contender at 125 pounds Hakeem Dawudu against Mofsar Evloev Darren Stewart against Eric Anders I mean like this is a really solid solid card that you're getting this weekend. Now, a couple other things I do want to ask you about the Clarissa Shields fight that's going on yeah. Thursday night PFL um, against Brittany Elkin. Shields is a uh, long awaited MMA debut, in case you don't know, uh, two time Olympic gold medalist, considered by many pundits as the pound for pound best female boxer on the planet. It's really down to two people it's her or Katie Taylor. Here you have someone in her mid 20s going from boxing to MMA. I feel like this is actually not being made into a big enough deal. For the past 10 years or so, all we've heard about is MMA fighters wanting to go to boxing to make more money. Here you have arguably the best female boxer on the planet saying, in order to make the kind of money that I want, in order to get the love and attention that I want, I need to go over to this board. Like MMA should be taking a bow. MMA should be taking a victory lap. I don't care if she's not fighting for Bellator or UFC. Like this is a victory for MMA and it's a really big deal and, and somewhat of an indictment on women's boxing as well. What is your level of interest and what is your level of expectation when it comes to her debut tomorrow night? Supremely interested uh, for all the reasons you mentioned, uh, how great she is as a boxer. Also because of the advanced timeline, when she was initially kind of teasing her, her you know, uh, transition to MMA, she was talking one year, two years. She was talking about how long she was going to need to prepare. Uh, she is she is doing it in advance. She is doing it faster than that timeline she originally laid out. She she has prepared for this fight quicker uh, than she anticipated when she was first talking about transitioning to MMA. Um, and what do I expect? That's that's hard because what I imagine this is like if you look at any MMA fighter's first couple of wins, a lot of times they have an advantage in one area and they're able to get quick finishes. So I wouldn't be surprised if this becomes a situation where her opponent stands with her on the feet just a little bit too long. She's too skilled as a boxer and it ends there and it ends quickly because of how good she is. I also wouldn't be surprised if this gets dragged out because she's a little trepidatious and she doesn't you know, know what to expect in an MMA cage. She's used to a boxing ring um, and takes a little longer to find her bearings. Uh, but I think it's one of either of those two outcomes where it's a little bit awkward, but she ultimately wins or she comes out fully confident, not concerned about what her opponent is doing and her skills shine through and and she ends it rather quickly. Yeah. It's not quite apples to apples, but this is uh, more akin to say the Jake Paul experience where 
she's not her own promoter, but the promoter is obviously invested in trying to make her look as good as possible, as opposed to the CM Punk experience, where yeah. for some bizarre reason, like they were trying to expose, like they gave him a really tough young kid in Mickey Gall and the thing never really got off the ground. And maybe it was for the best because maybe they thought that there wasn't a great future there. So they might as well get, you know, one potential star out of it. And so Brittany Elkin was the person that Kayla Harrison fought in her debut, not trying to rag on her, but like they're more invested in Clarissa Shields than Brittany Elkin. So she's the opponent here. And uh, I'm really interested. I'm really interested to see what she does, what she says afterwards, the whole thing. I think it's a great get for PFL. And uh, I think their, 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 their latest season after the, uh, the restart, if you will, has done great. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Now, let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac, weighing heavy on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue, and ready for the play. And boom! Añejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good! Playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic Liqueur, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. Alistair Overeem is going back to kickboxing. He's going back to glory, a promotion you know a lot about. Surprise, love it, hate it, thoughts? Perfect fit. A perfect fit. Uh, Glory needs a name like him, as good as Rico Verhoeven is, as popular as Bader Hari is, bader has been on the losing end, and Rico is not popular in the United States. He, he has a very um, impressive and uh, bulletproof kickboxing resume, but he needs a little bit of juice, and an opponent like Al- Alistair Overeem uh, opposite him is exactly the thing that would do that. This is a no-brainer, perfect for both of them. Uh, uh, Glory and Alistair, that is not just uh, Rico and Alistair, but Glory and Alistair. Um, and I think he's, you know, winning that 2010 K1 Grand Prix uh, is significant. And I think this is he's coming back to a, an area of sports where he's had success in the past. So it'll be interesting to see how he does. Perfect fit. Love it so much for both of them. Yes. And I love the symbolism, right? Uh, him going back to his roots and where he started and, and getting the fight in the Netherlands and Rico Verhoeven and Badahari. They all have ties there. Yeah. Uh, he told me on Tuesday, like, oh, I would love the Fedor fight once and for all. Eh, I kind of like the idea of him riding off into the sunset with just kickboxing and seeing if the old Uberim could come back. Last time we saw him in kickboxing was 2010 when he won the K1 World Grand Prix. This is this was unexpected. And I know Glory has had its ups and downs. But I, I am actually more excited about this because you can suspend disbelief. You can see if the old guy could come back, all that stuff, rather than him going the Bellator or PFL route and just like getting some weirdo fights. Like he can fight the big time guys. Now, I don't know if he'll beat Rico and Rico's, you know, younger and all this stuff and the champ here for a reason. But I really, really like this. And I feel like they're going to make a big deal about it. And he gets to end on his terms where he started in his home country. Brilliant move on his part. Brilliant move on his part. And as I said, if it ends up helping glory, right? If, if him fighting Rico ends up catapulting Rico into superstardom, that's great as well. Like there, there is no 
loss for glory in this. And Alistair gets a chance to, to prove he still got it there. It's, it's great. All right, my friend, uh, we have reached the end. We have uh, run out of time here, but there's still more of me to come. Of course, this is, uh, is this turning into like a Dwayne Wade uh, retirement thing where he like gets to stop everywhere and get gifts from everyone. Uh, there's coverage coming this weekend for UFC 263. And then the final thing will be DC and Hawani uh, this Monday, June 14th. But I was uh, really happy that we could do this. And uh, the extended version of the trip down email memory lane, I think was very apropos. So thanks for everything. You continue to kill it. It's unbelievable what you and Tessa have done with the ESPN MMA account accounts, I should say. And uh, it's, you know, I'm obviously not going to retweet you as much and like you as much. I mean, I'm just going to maybe even block it and follow it. I don't know. I'm just kidding. Uh, I will be the number one fan. And I, I'm just really, really uh, proud and uh, very, very impressed with what you have done in just two and a half years with those sites. It's unbelievable. Uh, thank you for the very kind words. I will end with just obviously that walk down memory, memory lane is a good reminder to, to me and to anybody who's listening that people, you know, opportunities like that, um, be, you know, be, uh, what's the word? Don't be, don't be scared. Uh, take a shot, take an opportunity and you might meet somebody as great as Ariel Hawani, who will give you one of those Ariel. Thank you, uh, for nearly a decade ago, uh, setting me on this course that we have traveled together for a very long time. Um, and it is, uh, it has been an honor as always. Um, but not goodbye. Yes. I was just going to say, not goodbye. Just see you later. Said the same thing three years ago. And, and uh, I believe the same this time around. All right. Check out all the interviews on the ESPN MMA YouTube account. Uh, check out all the stuff on social media, ESPN MMA everywhere. And of course, ESPN plus this weekend, UFC 263. Hey, rate, review, download, subscribe one last time. Okay. I appreciate it. Love you all. Back on Monday. Same time and place. It's always that curse. I'm out of here. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today.